Everyone, welcome to Locked On Lakers for Monday. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. The reviews are in for the Jared Vanderbilt signing. Do the Lakers get a good deal? Talk about it next. You are Locked On Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks to everybody for making Locked On Lakers your first listen of every day, Monday through Friday, no matter how or where you get your podcasts, always free, never behind a paywall, Locked On Lakers on YouTube, where you can go hang out, talk to uh, us, talk to Lakers fans, um, over 20,000 subscribers, almost 21,000, um, many of whom were reacting to uh, Andy's mini show on Friday, which was reacting to the Jared Vanderbilt, uh, news of the Jared Vanderbilt contract extension. Uh, four years, $48 million. Uh, we will continue to break that down, uh, talk about some of your comments that everybody's left on the page. I want to let everybody know that today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel, uh, FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets, guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash on. So we'll, we'll talk a little bit. I was asked to, uh, I did TV last week, uh, Spectrum Sportsnet. You'll be in this week, the Lakers station, um, their, their news show. And we were asked an interesting question, I thought. It was me with uh, Dan Wojcicki of the LA Times. Uh, the most intriguing teams, um, particularly in the Western Conference, and where the Lakers kind of fit in in that regard. So we'll, we'll try to get into some of that. Um, but let's start with Vanderbilt. Um, we have not had a chance to talk about it because I was tied up on Friday uh, with work and, uh, you know, this ain't the only gig. And uh, so that left you to react. Um, when you saw the number specifically, between the number and the timing, four years, 48 million, uh, and the fourth year being a player option, uh, I was, I personally didn't think they would go this quickly necessarily. What was your basic take of, of both of those things? Um, that I like, I like that the Lakers did this and I like that they have Vanderbilt locked up. Um, when we had talked earlier last week, um, that Vanderbilt had become extension eligible, just like the idea of doing this, would we want to do this? I was pretty strongly in the camp of I would like to see Jared Vanderbilt locked up. I, I think he has a lot of very useful and specific utility for this team defensively. I, I like the versatility that he offers and the optionality that he offers. I was surprised that it happened this quickly, if for no other reason than I I hadn't heard anything about it being in the works, you know, as opposed to like Anthony Davis, where there was an expectation that it was going to happen pretty Quickly. damn quick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it and as it turned out, it happened basically the second that it was the equivalent of like the 1201 call when free agency begins. Um, as I talked about in the show, and we'll get your opinion on it, the the salary, the contract, what the years were basically what I expected for an extension. Um, the fourth year option being a player option is a little bit friendlier than maybe it might have gone, but I good for Jared Vanderbilt and you know right. it, it offers him some degree of security if he feels like by the time 2027 28 rolls around he could make more than that on right, the he's only market. 24 years old and right. you know in at the end of that deal 12 million with the standard raises in I mean I don't want to say 12 million is not going to be a lot of money 
but it is going to be worth less in NBA terms. Inflation will make it just worth less in NBA yeah, terms I, than it is now. Um, I was surprised that it was about 12 mil per year. Um, that is higher than I expected. Um, I had thought about it in terms of about eight to 10 a year. Um, as I said during the show, I don't think 12 mil a year is outrageous for Jared Vanderbilt. It's on the high side of what I expected, but it's not outrageous. I don't think it's a contract that's going to age poorly or become an albatross for the Lakers. And for what it's worth, um, put out a poll on the YouTube community section for the Locked on Lakers asking uh, our viewers, how do you feel about the money Jared Vanderbilt and the Lakers reportedly agreed upon? And here are your four choices. Too high, could be a problem moving forward. Lower than expected, it's a steal. More or less what I expected, fair for both sides. And I wouldn't have extended Vando to begin with. 7% thought it was too high. 23% said lower than expected, it's a steal. 69% said more or less what I expected, fair on both sides. And just 2% wouldn't have extended Vanderbilt to begin with. So it seems like... You know, that was almost a thousand people who weighed in in this poll. So it seems like the overwhelming majority of Laker fans, A, are happy that Vanderbilt's locked up and B, feel like the money is somewhere between perfectly reasonable and damn, we did pretty well. Yeah, I, I think that what I find interesting about the reaction to that is the, are the number of people who fundamentally, I guess, sort of disagree with us, like who think that he under that the Lakers really got an underpay here. Um, and I, I want to make it clear. I don't think the Lakers overpaid for Vanderbilt. No, it's, just, I, it's at the high it's end. It's just higher it's, than like what you. I expected. I, I feel like it's sort of at the high end, but that's a, di be, I, there's a difference. Honest, I just want to make sure it's clear. If, if they were, there were a lot of people, you know, go through the comments and you say like, you know, if he had gone to free agency next year, he was going to make, I saw three or four different comments, just, you know, not even necessarily reading, uh, you know, the exact stuff, but like three or four or five people in the comments page for that show. But like if he goes to free agency, he's a shoe in to make 15, 16, 14, 15, 16 million a year. I don't think that part is true. I don't think there's, I feel like what, I feel like this is a fair contract for both sides in the sense that Vanderbilt gets security um, you know, forty-eight million dollars guaranteed. Even if you feel like at, at some point you end up underpaid relative to the market you're in, you have gained generational wealth and and set yourself up and all of these things in in ways that Vanderbilt should be rightly excited about. Um, and but it also protects you know so it, it's 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 security for him because I think it protects him a little bit against what could be a very strange year for him we talked about it this year uh that i talked about last week that this year you could see a path where vanderbilt plays you know a 20 something minute a night role and you can also see a minute or a, a a path where he's actually kind of squeezed from the rotation when everybody is healthy and what i found kind of cool about this process was that this contract is almost a reflection of the idea that this year could be a little weird, but next year Vanderbilt's role could change completely because if everything goes right with Christian Wood, he won't be here next year. The Lakers won't be able to pay him. Uh, he'll get a bigger contract somewhere else. Um, and if he does play poorly enough that he wants to pick up the option, it might mean that the Lakers aren't playing him that much next year anyway.
And so it, I do think it would have been hard for Vanderbilt to, to really distinguish himself, to guarantee that you know, $14, $15 million payday. Potentially difficult season. at the very least. Yeah. I mean, very, yeah. And so I, 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 but that doesn't mean he can't play, he wouldn't play a 12 to $15 million role next year. Um, so let's, let's talk a little bit more about this because the other part, there are two things about this that I want to ask you because it's always interesting to me when guys get paid, um, how that can change their perception. Um, Rui Hachimura has very different expectations this year at $17 million than he did at eight or whatever it was he made last year. I think, I think, I'm not sure they will, but I think expectations for D'Angelo Russell should shift considerably moving down. That is adorable that you think that, Brian. It is. It's cute. (laughs) It's really sweet. It's like, it's like the squishmallow of thoughts. It's just adorable. (laughs) You just want to collect them all. Yeah. Have Um, fun with that one. Yeah. But like it should, he, people should think of it differently. He's not a max, but he's okay. Well, he's not being paid like one anymore. Um, He's making the same money basically as Rui Hachimura. So, um, but we'll see. And so next year, when you start to look at Vanderbilt as a guy who's making 12 um, or whatever, however this breaks down year to year, it is just for the perception can change. Um, And so I want to ask you about that. And I want to ask you what you think, um, you know, his role kind of is like how much this stuff matters. Like once you get an extension, once you get paid, does that change anything about the perception of how he might be used this year? So let's get to all that next. Lakers is brought to you by FanDuel and Celebrate. Get hyped, get psyched about this NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. And right now, new customers just bet $5, 5 bucks, and you get 200 back in bonus bets. Guaranteed, you can use those bonus bets on spreads, on player props, over-unders, futures, all sorts of fun stuff. Plus, every customer who bets 5 bucks, again, just $5, you get 100 bucks off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. And this is the best time, best time to join FanDuel. The app is really easy to use, really fun experience for the user, all those different options right at your fingertips. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get the NFL season just underway. Enjoy it. You don't want to miss this. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. So quick note before we get back to this Vanderbilt stuff, um, I uh, saw and a lot of people saw that the over the weekend, the news that Winning Time, the HBO show about the the Showtime Lakers is not going to be picked up for a third season. So is it Sunday night you know, as we record this is the by the, the time people yeah, yeah, by the time people hear this podcast, the show will be officially canceled, but you can still watch it, but it's not coming back for a third for a third season. Uh, I know you are up to date and current on this, and so we'll we'll get some more reaction from you and from uh, from other people uh, over the course of the week about like kind of your thoughts about the show. But the thing that I also like it, it I I don't know if we could have made it like you know thirty five seasons or something like that to get to like today's era, but would love to hear from people. Uh, we would love to hear from people on the page. What era what seasons of the you know lakers history would you love to have seen um depicted in 
a winning time show, a winning time season. So we'll do that over the course of the week. Um, but really want to get your input on this as well. Um, so I know a lot of people are super disappointed about the news. Um, that yeah, shout out to a friend of the show, Jeff Perlman, who wrote the, the various Laker books that uh, Winning Time was based off. Um, he has a Kobe, a book about the Kobe Shaq era that theoretically could have been an upcoming season. Uh, Jeff's an incredible writer, and I know this is disappointing for him. So it wasn't uh, for lack of his effort trying to. No, 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 no. And uh, again, sucks for Jeff. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll come back to that, but please let us know, uh, just answering that question. It's a really, it's kind of a fun one. Like it opens up questions about how would you cast these things and, you know, who would play different, different roles and all that kind of stuff and you know, what the on-screen depictions might be. Um, all right, but to get to back to Vanderbilt, um, do you think first and foremost that the fact that he signed the extension has an impact on, on how the Lakers perceive how they need to use him? If nothing else, because remember, like a lot of the notion that Hachimura is supposed to start this year is based on the idea the Lakers just paid him. I know you think Vanderbilt should start. It makes more sense for Vanderbilt to start and you make a compelling argument. But I'm wondering, as guys get paid, sometimes it, it makes you say, well, they're supposed to do this role now play. You know, they're supposed to they're being paid starters money. They're essentially justify start. the money. Correct. Do you think there's any impact with Vanderbilt? Um, no, in the sense that I think there's only so big of a role Vanderbilt can get. Like that he got this extension, I don't think equals 30 minutes a night just because I don't think Jared Vanderbilt is a 30-minute-a-night player mm -hmm. on, you know, on, on a high-end you know, contending team. Um, what I do hope it signals, though, because as you mentioned, I have lobbied at least – uh, if nothing else, for the idea of Vanderbilt starting, because I think he has more utility in the starting unit than coming off the bench. And I think he has very specific utility in terms of taking a lot of that defensive pressure off LeBron, off Austin Reeves, off some of the guys who have so much playmaking um, responsibilities on this team, and you know the ability to guard one through three, where I think defensively the Lakers need the most help. Um, and I think the idea of starting him on the best perimeter player uh, that you're going to be playing, mm -hmm. um, I think gives you more utility for Vanderbilt than playing him off the bench. Um, I would like to think that if this, if nothing else, signals a confidence that they have in Vanderbilt moving forward. You know, I mean, look, let's be honest. Part of why they did this could be to have the tradable contract, because especially in the direction that this league is moving right now, with the current CBA, it's become clear cap space is not nearly as valuable as it was five years ago, 10 years ago. It is much more about assets that you have to trade and, you know, the ability to cobble together a few different players to bring back a superstar, somebody who's a better fit, whatever. Vanderbilt at what I think is a reasonable contract, certainly one that isn't going to be, I think, seen as really burdensome it's not an albatross right. number that is helpful but i i would like to think that this signals an organizational faith in what and, and a recognition of what vanderbilt brings to the table because mm -hmm. while he does have certain flaws as a player he also can do certain things that i'd argue nobody else on this team can really do and those things are valuable 
It's fine. Just as a side note, like the, the rule, the rules are such that Vanderbilt actually can't be traded for six months, which means he is essentially untradeable for this season because yes. that would push him past February. Um, and I know a lot of people get really annoyed when, which is fine just, because this is the year where he has the lowest salary and the least amount of value well, as, a, as a tradable player anyway. Correct. He's still, you know, the, the extension kicks in next year. And, you know, the point of these things isn't like, oh, great, we signed him. Like, when can we trade him? Unless you're D'Angelo Russell. Um, it's, it's you know, but these these things are important. You know, understanding like when a guy is trade eligible, when he isn't, the slot that he has, I mean, all these other things. Like the Lakers rebuilding this middle class of salaries that they have available to trade, whether it's, um, you know, uh, you know, you know, we're talking about Hachimura or Russell or Alex Caruso for Giannis and a few first rounders from Milwaukee um, to make it fair. Um, so Alex Caruso, I'm sorry, Austin Reeves. Darn it. it. Damn it. You mixed up your white guys, dude. That is just embarrassing on all sorts of levels. We all do look alike. I think it's fair to say. Um, and so, you know, but this stuff is important and, um, it's not like, it's not a slam against Vanderbilt to, to, to note that. But what I, what I, what I think is kind of the, the number to me. I agree with you. I don't think it changes necessarily a whole lot for this year. Like you said, he's not being paid nearly as much for this season. To me, it feels like like there. I could easily conceive of seasons where Vanderbilt plays has like a fifteen million dollar role or a sixteen million dollar role if things really blow. If he learns to hit that corner three, if he you know develops in ways that that people hope he might. I don't. I think you got to believe that he kind of is the guy that he is and find value in that. I think you can hope that other things develop. I mean, I'll, I'll put it this way. Jared Vanderbilt has been working on his three-point shot last season. He worked on it the season before that. He's an extremely hard worker. And so the idea that he will, you know, because he's been working so hard this offseason, develop a shot or next offseason, some guys become good shooters. Some guys never become good shooters. Um, some guys develop nuances in their game. Some guys don't. Vanderbilt has a, a sort of specific set of skills now that are very useful to a team. But um, I don't know watching him. You don't watch him and say, God, it looks like a, a three-point shot that should go down. Like, I don't at least. And so I feel like with a guy like him, you have to value what he has now as opposed to banking on improvement to make the contract worth it fortunately i don't think that's the kind of contract the lakers signed um but just the player that they have now i feel like there could be seasons where depending on the rest of the supporting cast he has a really important role that feels bigger than 12 million dollars i could also see seasons like this year where he might have a, a role that doesn't feel like it's worth that as long as people kind of deploy him in the in ways that maximize what he's good at and hide what he isn't. I think the Lakers could get tremendous value out of him. It's just that those abilities change radically depending on the rest of the roster. That's yeah. why it's one of the things I find fascinating about him as a player and as a role guy is how do you maximize him and not without tailoring too much to, you know, the seventh or eighth or ninth guy on your roster. Well, again, I mean, in a lot of ways, I don't even think you're tailoring towards him because he he brings a defensive versatility along mm -hmm. the perimeter 
that this team is lacking. Like they don't have a lot of guys who can specifically do what he does in terms of you go guard Steph, you go guard Luca, you go guard Devin Booker. Like you take on these high, these super high end perimeter scores that you're looking to take that load off Austin Reeves, looking to take it off LeBron, looking to prevent having to make Anthony Davis do way the hell too much. Or, you know, you know, Anthony Davis is somebody who could theoretically, and I'm sure he will at times, you know, be put on a Devin Booker or a Luca, but it changes your entire defense if you start doing that a lot in ways that I don't think are good ideas. And Vander- Vanderbilt, to me, offers the Lakers the ability to take some of that stress off their most important offensive players. You know, it, it I think, prevents in certain ways targeting of a D'Angelo Russell, you know, things like that. Like, I, I just think there's different things that you can do with him. He helps them a lot on the glass. I think he helps them a lot in the overall energy that you need to get through 82 games. Um, and I've said this many times, and I'll say it again. When it came to the playoffs, I did not have a problem with Darvin Ham reducing his minutes as certain series went along, particularly against Denver, because I think he was the guy that would need to come off the floor given the issues that they were having with shot making. But at the same time, the real problem to me was that D'Angelo Russell, Dennis Schroeder, um, Lonnie Walker, LeBron in a lot of ways, Anthony Davis in a lot of ways, they were not making jump shots that they are really supposed right. to be making. That's not actually Jared Vanderbilt's job. It is. And I, there's a knock about this regular season thing. Um, because I, I think there's, you know, and we're talking about, you know, for 12 to 21 minutes or 22 minutes a night, you know, the things that you're talking about being put on the floor, you're not talking about putting him on the floor for 34 minutes and having him guard Luca the entire time. He's not a 34 minute a night player. Exactly. So like for the minutes that he's on there, like that's, those are the things he can do. And I, I think there's, there's something about this delineation of regular season versus playoffs that I think oftentimes people miss a really important point. And it's particularly applicable for Vanderbilt relative to some of the things you're talking about. So I want to get to that next. So if you if you talk to uh, you know Cranjus McBasketball, you know, does the 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 Lakers Exceptionalism podcast and other guys who really break down film and grade guys on different types of defenses and different there are certain things that Vanderbilt is very good at defensively and certain things where he's actually not that great. Um, and so if you really if it's a matter of truly maximizing his defensive ability, you do have to kind of deploy him in specific ways that um you know, sometimes that means, you know, he can, he can kind of stick on guys one-on-one, whether that's Steph or other people. Um, but like in the context of a team defense or as, you know, the Warriors are running around and coming off screens and all these other different nuances there, he's not always as good. The effort and activity are always there, but the results aren't always as good. And that's critically important in the playoffs, particularly. But I think it gets it is easy to overstate the importance of that for the regular season. It matters whether Vanderbilt is great at running around with Steph or like he can truly lock down one through three in any situation, lock down. Power. It's, I think it, it, 
it is important, obviously, but it can miss the point because just the act of doing it in regular season games, of bringing the energy, having that effort there so that you can get away with hiding Anthony Davis a little bit more, resting him, keeping LeBron away from these things, like you say, trying to take some of the punishment away from Austin Reeves, who's going to spend a lot of time on the other end getting punched in the face. Because um, that's just, it happens like three times a game with him. Over the course of 82 games, that ability for Vanderbilt to take some of that burden, whether it's the most efficient way, whether he does it brilliantly in every situation, is 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 kind of overlooked. Just the, the act of doing it is really important for negotiating a regular season. And then you can make adjustments for the playoffs. And maybe his role goes down. And maybe he doesn't play a lot. And I saw a couple comments where he said, you can't pay a guy you know, bigger money if he can't play in the playoffs. Well, sure you can. Because 82 games of the regular season, Andy, are super important. And I think we over... We, we, we overstate the, the, the playoffs themselves and ignore the path to getting there too often. Well, I mean, if you'd like an example of why the regular season matters, look how hard the Lakers had to work last year busting their ass just to get into the play-in. Mm-hmm. And look, I don't think they would have beaten Denver anyway. No. Because I ultimately think Denver was just better than them. You know, who knows if the post-deadline team post deadline team had been the same team from the beginning of the year you know who knows but last season you know the way things played out they had to expend so much energy just to put themselves in a position to get into the playoffs by the time they got to the western conference finals you could see it in a lot of guys they were pretty spent and it is mentally and physically exhausting to have to play essentially with playoff urgency from February through mid-April before the actual playoffs begin. If you can avoid something like that, if the Lakers can avoid the play-in altogether, if they can get themselves to a place where they get home court for a round or two, that stuff matters. Yes. And, you know, like the year that the Lakers traded for... And and, and just if you could do it with... An extra 5% of the tank for Anthony Davis, an extra 10% of the tank for LeBron, that's going to pay dividends too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I remember with the, the year uh, for the 2021 season where they traded for Dennis Schroeder and then signed Montrez Harrell. And there had been, particularly with Harrell, but both of those guys, a certain degree of criticism that they're not proven playoff guys like Montrez Harrell, like all of his weaknesses get him played off the floor. It's happened every year with the Clippers in the playoffs. And my reaction was, I don't care because he's not he's not there necessarily for the playoffs. He's there for the 82 games so you can be as fresh as possible for yes. the playoffs. And look, by the time the playoffs did roll around, I mean, the Lakers were a mess anyway because of injuries, but Harrell was, if memory serves, either out of the rotation or getting spot minutes and didn't make much of an impact in the playoffs I didn't have a problem with it. I didn't expect him to be a I didn't expect him to be a force in the playoffs. I did expect him though to make an impact during the regular season and he did. Like Montrez Harrell to me justified his presence with the Lakers because at least the way I thought his season would play out, he did what he was supposed to do. Yeah. So if Jared 
I think, again, if other guys are more of shot makers, Jared Vanderbilt's shortcomings don't become as big of a deal, even in the playoffs. But if Jared Vanderbilt becomes a guy that makes it easier to compete in the playoffs, even if he's only playing five to 10 minutes a night in the postseason, I'm good with that. It's fine. Like all of these things add up to matter. There are very few players. By the way, all of these things we're talking about to a lesser degree apply to D'Angelo Russell too. It's like, you know, I, he is harder to play off. I think because he's a more talented offensive player for starters um, is just, he's a little harder to play off the floor and, you know, had a lot of good moments in the playoffs last year. It was just God awful in the Denver series, but like that stuff applies to him too. If there's a series where Russell isn't as useful, that's okay. But he is going to be really important. If you think LeBron is going to miss 20 games and you think AD is going to miss 20 games, um, then guys like Russell become really important um, to help keep this thing afloat. It is a reason that you sign Wood over Bismack Biombo or another player that you know might bring more defensive presence than Christian Wood would otherwise. Um, and it's because like that way when when Anthony Davis isn't in the lineup, LeBron doesn't have to crank it up to 29 or 30 points a game if he's averaging uh, like, a, like a nice smooth 24, 25, which is I think what the Lakers would love him to be. Reeves doesn't have to go from 17 a game, 24. You have a guy who is a legitimate, say what you will about Wood, legitimate 20-point scoring talent. Certainly you know, capable that, of it. Yeah, and so like that matters and with Russell a guy who can you know very comfortably put in you know 18 to 23 a night when you need him to if you want to you know feature him more like that that stuff really matters yeah. and i i like this like i said i like this deal with Vanderbilt because he is somebody whose attitude and energy let's if he plays out all four years with this of the lakers is the type of thing that helps teams get through February. February sucks. <laughs> you know, January sucks. Like for the, the like guys are kind of tired. Like the Christmas rush is over and like you're not quite in that playoff push yet, but like the games still count. And, you know, players like Vanderbilt are critically important for that section of the season. The other thing I really like about this, Andy, is it puts in place structure. For this season, the Lakers went from cap space at all costs. This is probably something we can talk about a little bit more uh, tomorrow. But like this, what this kind of this contract represents structurally for the Lakers, going from cap space at all costs to um, no cap space, but like we know what we got here: players, players <laughs> actual players, good players, uh, players that have value around the league that are, you know switchable if you want to trade for something else if you know it's like they've got a really nice roster of people making the right amount of money um who have good skills and hopefully in the case of somebody like Hachimura can grow into a you know roles it it's just so much cleaner on this team now than it was than it has been really for the last few years yeah i mean i i hope it represents a different philosophy towards team building. You know what said many times, one of my bigger, if not biggest criticism of Rob Palenka in 
I wouldn't even say the first half of his time running the team. I mean, in a lot of ways, almost the majority of it. All of it until now. <laughs> well, until until like maybe the last twelve months or so, I didn't think he was much of a details guy. Mm-hmm. And in the last twelve months, whether because he is truly following his instincts or he's learned lessons or whatever, to some degree, unless there's regression, I don't care what the reason is. I think he's become much more of a details guy, and that's mm-hmm. really important. Um, so we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about this, though, I think, in, over the course of the week, this idea of just what, how much different the structure of the Lakers is um, and how much more youth they have now beyond LeBron and Anthony Davis. Um, we'll also get to this intriguing teams question, which we didn't have a chance to, Locked on Lakers on YouTube, where you can go to see the show and hang out and ask questions and answer polls and leave us comments that we will use on the show. Uh, we'll see everybody tomorrow.